ladies and gentlemen. This episode of the podcast is about a guided ketamine journey I did yesterday. I just let you guys know kind of what have I experienced and uh, the positives. I didn't really see too many negatives. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing today? I am your host, Jeremy Lipsy. This is Esoteric Gladiator Podcast. So, yesterday in Burbank, California, I decided to uh, do a guided ketamine therapy. And I'd heard about it about a month and a half ago. And... Um, spoken to someone who had done it and it sounded very intriguing and so uh when I got the opportunity to uh to like lock that in uh, I did and I waited for a couple of weeks and I was really nervous and you know a lot of anticipation and a little bit of fear but knowing deep down that you know you know, I, I talk a, a big game, so I better back it up. And I feel like for the most part, I've always done that. So um, last week we were supposed to do it on Thursday, but it, it got canceled because of uh, some things on his end, uh, family stuff. And um, he said he could do it yesterday on Thursday, which worked out great for me because yesterday was the new moon. And I like to do a lot of like life-altering things on new and full moons. Um, but I just felt like this journey particularly um, would uh, would sit well on the new moon. So uh, I uh, woke up, I meditated, calmed myself down a little bit, went to his house, and he's a friend and client. You know, I've tattooed him and his wife. And it's really crazy because... I met him like I want to say 20 years ago and I tattooed him. I did his first tattoo and um, he uh, like, I, I don't know, six months, a year later asked me to uh, paint a mural in, in, in what was going to be his newborn girl's bedroom. So I painted like this cartoon version of Noah's Ark in her room and... Um, and I stayed with them for like a week. And then I didn't hear from them for like, geez, I want to say 15, 16 years. And then um, the wife reached out to me a few years ago on Facebook wanting me to tattoo her. She said, I want to get tattooed by you someday. I'm not ready yet, but I'm going to reach out eventually. And then for a couple of years, she was reaching out, reaching out. She's like, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. And I was like, okay, okay. And then so I want to say about six months ago, I reached out to them and I let them know, hey, I'm in L.A. I can tattoo you guys if you want. So um, I did. I went up tattooing them. And that's when um, the husband told me about the uh, the guided journey and what he'd experienced with it. And um, so the premise is that it's it's created to so ketamine uh to my knowledge was created 
as uh, it's not just a horse or animal tranquilizer. It is also a human sedative as well for like surgeries and operations and things like that. Um, and uh, when administered in the right dose, it becomes hallucinogenic. Um, it's a powerful hallucinogen, let me just tell you. And uh, particularly what ketamine therapy um, was created for is people with trauma or depression or anxiety. And they say that the ones that suffer from the most depression and anxiety or trauma, you know, benefit the most. And um, it's funny because I've brought it up to a few people thinking like, oh, they'll want to do it. And it's really weird. Like people are really apprehensive. They're like scared to do it. And I'm just like, well, you can like sit in your suffering for years on end if you want, or you can face the monster within and, and get it over with in a, in a few hours, in a few sessions, potentially. Um, my first experience with ketamine was 20 years ago. I snorted it a couple of times. I didn't do it. I didn't do it more than like three or four times. I remember liking it, but, you know, it just was something my friends gave me. And I was like, sure, I'll try it. Um, I was never really a big drug addict to begin with. Um, I did like to drink and smoke a lot of weed. I, I smoked, mo I mostly smoked weed is, is what I did. I was a pothead. Um, but, uh, the ketamine, uh, therapy on the other hand, there's a few different ways they do it to my knowledge. They can like stick a patch on you. They can IV drip you. I think you can drink it. I also think you can, uh, they have like a nasal spray, like where you snort it. And then they also, they'll do like a, um, muscle, a muscle injection. So like, that's what I did. I, I wound up getting it injected into my um, left shoulder. So like I said, I was nervous. I show up to his house, I sit down, we talk for a little bit. He asked me some things about myself and, you know, things about my past and why I want to do it. And um, I just basically told him, uh, you know, in general, I've, I've got a, a decent outlook on life. I feel like I, I'm relatively happy to a certain extent, but lately I've been really miserable and just not happy and I've been been dealing with a lot of crap lately mostly like uh just uh you know like I had a bunch of dental shit in the last two months that was like it just was like never ending and then I and I had to get I had two gold teeth put in a year ago which cost me like thirty two hundred dollars and then I had to get them ripped out for and and oral surgery for another eight hundred dollars so it's like I I paid fucking 4,000 bucks to look like goddamn Joe Dirt on the Jerry Springer show when I should have probably just got him yanked out and got implants put in to begin with. So that made me really depressed and um, and I had to be on all these meds for it and, and antibiotics. I'm talking about like three rounds of antibiotics and, all, and I don't take like pain relievers and shit like that. But so... That shit all fucked me up. It, I felt like it, like literally I had no energy to work out, wasn't, you know, barely worked out at all the last six weeks. And um, uh, 
and lately my liver's been a little bit sore and I know it's from all the fucking meds. Um, and, uh, but I also believe that a lot of my liver issues have to do there, that it's, it's emotional because when I look at like, particularly, I mean, sure, I like to eat a lot of sugar and fruits, but I don't really eat like a lot of like cookies or ice cream every once in a while I might indulge, but it's mostly like fruit or like kombucha. It's not like, you know, sometimes dark chocolate or whatever. It's not like I'm like gunning back tons of sugar but you know i might put maple syrup in my oatmeal or whatever but i'm like when i look at my diet i'm like damn my diet is pretty on point compared to most of america's diet and i work out all the time so my liver shouldn't be going through this i do look at like my childhood like being on 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 pharmaceuticals at a young age you know ritalin and and all these you know um these uh the the drugs that, you know, are supposed to treat like mental and emotional ailments and hyperactivity and all that shit. They got me on that shit really young. And I, I wonder if that had an effect on my liver. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you know, I just been like, like a little bit going through it lately. And just, you know, what have been in LA the last couple of months, which I love being around my family and I don't regret being here now, you know, particularly after going through that journey yesterday, but it was just like, I just felt overwhelmed. I haven't been tattooing much. I, I just, I just kind of felt stagnant. I, I just felt like, you know, I was going through this phase where I was just like playing video games for hours a day and I don't normally do that. I, I'll play video games every once in a while for an hour or two, but like I was like playing for hours and yeah, just thinking about the state of the the world and the, you know, the things that I look into and uh, you know, I understand why a lot of people don't want to look into world affairs or conspiracies or, you know, the things that are going on. It's, it's, it can be overwhelming but that's kind of what led me to really, and, and then just like looking into things that no longer serve me, things that, uh, you know, I just feel like, you know, like I'll smoke vape or, you know, nicotine and tobacco every once in a while. And it's just like, for what? You know, like, I'm not like, I'm not a heavy smoker, never have been. Uh, but it's just like, it's just not serving me. So I, I just feel like I need to... Uh, <clears throat> to release things that aren't serving me anymore. And even like wanting to release uh, caffeine a little bit, you know, um, just it's day three and I haven't had any caffeine now. So hopefully that'll pan out. But um, anyways, so show up to the house and he takes me to his back room. It's, it's set up nice and cozy. And um, he had... He had a speaker on each side of the chair that I was, it was, it was a lean back chair. It wasn't like a lazy boy chair, but it leaned back a little bit with a foot rest. And that's where I was going to sit. He gave me a bottle of water and then he talked to me and, and, um, and, uh, he, I remember at one point he was like, well, why did you decide to do this? And I said, well, I was like, I feel like our biggest fears are all within us and that like, it's kind of like that movie, The NeverEnding Story, where like Atreyu had to go through all these trials and tribulations to get to the one where they said was the hardest one for him, which would be the hardest uh, 
that's the hardest test for most men, and that's to look in the mirror at yourself. And so I told him, I told him that story about the never-ending story, and and um, and uh, yeah, it's just about facing the self, facing the fears within, like like knowing that that there's darkness on the horizon in this country and in this world, and um, that me personally. I want to be prepared for it when it comes because I know it's coming. And if I can master my mind and my deepest fears and and things like that, that I know that uh, – and I've already been through intense situations. You know, like you guys know, I was in jail for, you know, many years and shit like that. So I already feel like I'm kind of a survivor and, and I don't feel like I'm kind of – I know I'm a fucking survivor, but I just feel like – there's always more work to be done, right? We have these different faculties in our body, mind, body, spirit. And I feel like we need to challenge them all to ascend to a higher state of consciousness as well as to master ourselves and the world around us. And that's it. It's like, you know, a lot of people come into the world trying to master the world. But if you master yourself, you literally master the world around you. <coughs> it is always within us. So he was like, yeah, he's like, that's, that's, a, that's a good plan. And he's like, he's like, yeah, that's a good reason to want to do this. And, um, and then plus, you know, I have, chi- you know, some childhood traumas and shit that I, you know, uh, that I, I felt like I, I may have overlooked or, or not, you know, delved into deep enough and, and really wanted to examine those a- again. And, um, so that was another reason. And so uh, I said, okay, um, well, um, this is, this, this is, you know, he told me all about what ketamine is. It's a schedule one drug and that it's, it, it's, that, you know, he has been cleared to facilitate these therapies with people and um, that, uh, you know, the benefits from it, um, you know, people giving up you know, quitting drugs, quitting pornography, healing from childhood traumas and depression and anxiety. And, and also that um, a lot of the people in the field of ketamine therapy recommend if you have severe anxiety or depression that you do this at least two times a year. Uh, that's not to say you can't do it more, but they say, suggest at least two times a year if, you, if, 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 if anxiety and depression are a continual struggle for you. So um, he explained it thoroughly, and then um, I asked him if I could do, a, you know, the Wim Hof breathing exercise so I could be more at ease because I felt a little anxiety. And he was like, "Yeah, go ahead," because he had to prepare the syringe and 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 uh, the music, the playlist, because they they uh, the guided journey they it's it's a playlist. So I don't, and each one, each I feel like each guy does something different. Um, <clears throat> so he gave me a mask to go over my eyes because they, they want to they want to administer it in the darkness, which was fucking incredible in a lot of ways, <clears throat> and I'll explain why later. <clears throat> I did my breathing exercise three rounds. <clears throat> Excuse me, <clears throat> um, and then. Uh, I put my 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 um my mask over my eyes and I said I'm ready. And I said okay. And he injected it into uh my left shoulder. 
It was fairly painful, but it went away quick. And um, I felt calm. I felt, at that point, it felt really calm, which normally isn't my uh, motif for hallucinogens. I, I am usually full of anxiety when it comes to hallucinogens on the way up. Um, and I'll get into ayahuasca a little bit in this, in this too, maybe even mushrooms and acid too, I don't know. Um, and it fully sounds like I'm doing this shit all the time. I don't do this shit all the time. I haven't drank ayahuasca in probably five, five and a half years. Um, maybe six. Uh, and I haven't done mushrooms in, oh, that's not true. I microdosed probably about four years ago. <clears throat> I haven't done acid in at least over a decade. So anyways, I put the, the, the eye mask on and he injects me and within five minutes he plays the music and the music was loud but it was cool because I don't know it was like it set a vibration you could literally feel the vibration on the back of the chair and it was really something for you to focus on was the loud music and it wasn't like overwhelmingly loud but it was it was loud but I, I, and at first I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about that, but instantly I liked it. And, um, and then, uh, I started feeling it after about five minutes. And then after about 10 minutes, it hit me like a sledgehammer. And I literally felt like it was like the closest thing to ayahuasca. Like it was crazy because I literally, it's, it's so hard to express. It's like, you you lose your identity you, you know you you don't you no longer have an ego you, you you lose like you let go of all this shit that we so desperately cling to all these false illusions and all these these fucking you know unrealistic concepts and 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 these attachments and stuff and and it's like it you let go, and at first it's scary, but it's also fascinating because then you go into a place of pure consciousness to a place where <clears throat> you realize that you are eternal, that you were here before you were Jeremy, before you're whoever you are that's ever listening, and that you'll be here again after this lifetime. And, and, for, for me in general, and I've talked about this before, that I feel like there's a lot of new souls on this planet. I don't feel that way about myself. I feel like I'm a very ancient soul. I don't know how old. I feel, I pretty much feel like I'm eternal. Like, because I, every time I do these hallucinogens, I, if there's, you know, you can kind of conceptualize eternity. It's different when you feel it. When you feel it through your soul and your being, and that's and that's where these things take you. <clears throat> so, and it's scary, but at the same time, it's fascinating. And I remember, like, just like really focusing on my breathing. I could, and I felt like my breathing had really slowed down, and um, I was. Dude, just put it this way, there's levels to this game. And I visited a bunch of them yesterday. Like <clears throat> there was so many different levels in, in this experience. Like 
there is a little bit of fear. There is a little bit of anxiety. Um, there was a lot of wonder and beauty and, 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 and um, coming to terms with a lot of things like being a, I remember when I, when I, when I lost my ego and sense of self, I was trying to cling onto my family members and, and, and my loved ones and, and, <clears throat> and animals and things that I'd had in the past. And, um, um, consciousness wouldn't allow that. It made me go straight to myself. So I had to face the inner me. And are you comfortable? How strong is your mind? Can your mind handle this journey? Um, 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 And then at this one point, I was like, I was like, it was like, the, the laws of the 3D of this lifetime did not apply where I went. There was, there was no, um, there's no boundaries really. Um, there, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was boundless. It was, it was, it was me and the creator and me and my higher self. And, and even trying to think about normal life it slipped away and, and I wondered, wow, uh, am I coming back? And, and then I thought, well, what if you don't come back? And then I was like, I'm okay with that. Because where I went, even though it was scary and I didn't know what was going to happen next, it was fascinating. And I remember as I went into it, as I started going into it, literally like all of my ayahuasca journeys like bled into one and I felt like I was still on uh, ayahuasca from journeys before. Like It was crazy. It was like no time had passed that, you know, I'd spent all these years on ayahuasca and that, oh shit, like, oh man, it's, all I can say is like, you feel this sense of of excitement but like a tinge of fear at the same time and it's fucking exhilarating dude it's like i feel like it's like what people probably do when they jump out of an airplane and um so i remember like cuz i had talked about the never ending story before I remember like processing the part of the movie. For those of you who haven't watched The NeverEnding Story, watch it. It's a great movie. Um, the part where he was walking with his horse, Artax, through the Swamp of Sadness, and his horse died in the Swamp of Sadness. He was overcome with grief. And then like processing my the two pets that I had that died in my arms, you know, Duty, my dog, he, bl- he bled to death in my arms. And then my cat about six months ago, she... Uh, died in my arms. I was giving her mouth to mouth and it didn't work. And she was a young cat. It was a freak accident. She either had a heart attack, a stroke or a seizure. And it's really weird. Um, but those were very heavy experiences in my life. Like I remember when duty, when this shit happened with duty, I remember like, and I've been in like race riots and prison and 
been involved in stabbings and hitting people in the head with shit or getting hit in the head or jumped or whatever. I've been in some scary fucking situations in my life. Shit, I was in the middle of a drive-by leaving a fucking art gallery that I did. Some guy shot over my car, like literally drove over and shot over the hood of my car seven times. Uh, so I've been in some, some scary shit. I've had motherfuckers pull guns on me and rob me. Um, but nothing prepared me for the trauma or the devastation of, of my dog, Duty. And um, the cat, the trauma of duty led to liver. That's when I first noticed my liver pains was from duty. Um, that's why I think that a lot of this came from trauma and, and, and sadness and, and despair with my liver. Um, the, the cat was a different type of pain. The cat was a lot more haunting for me. Um, I felt closer to the cat. I, I loved her. She she woke me up. She put me to sleep. She slept with me. She was just so funny. She was furry and beautiful and and just everything about her um was I loved her so much. Um and uh yeah. Um but the that came up during the journey was the never ending story and that, that was was me watching my animal dies, my my animals die in front of me. And then um, I went to childhood and looked at my parents and then became my parents looking at me. And I felt nothing but, but pure gratitude. Um, I may have mentioned before, I felt, you know, in some ways, maybe a lack of affection from my mother and, and definitely... Uh, experienced a lot of abuse from my father, but I've also said on numerous occasions, I don't regret a bit of it. I'm glad that, you know, everything happened the way that it did. Um, and uh, I wouldn't take none of it back. Um, and But it was really good to go back to that space of forgiveness. And I literally transported back to the early 70s in, 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 in this journey and, and felt that feeling of being there in those houses with them. And it was really weird because... The whole, ex- the, the whole childhood experience was like crammed into one feeling. When you go to these places, time is of no, there is no time. You know, and, and, and time becomes hallucinogenic as well. So um, that was really interesting. And then, you know, I looked at like issues with like certain family members and kind of had some forgiveness with them and, and thought about how like this type of therapy would be good for them, but I just don't see them being willing to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, finding forgiveness and then, and then uh, you know, looking a little bit at like past relationships that I've been in and, and, and uh, you know, trying to work through that. Um, you know, uh, I've had a hard time. Like I've had a lot of psychics tell me over the years, particularly the last 15 years, tell me that my heart is blocked. Your heart is blocked. Your heart is blocked. Your heart is blocked. There's a shell over your heart. And somebody told me that, um, Annie Hardy, I did a podcast with her recently. She's really, really good at like Reiki and like, um, like energy work. And she did energy and she's like, wow. She's like, you have like this beautiful heart, but it's like covered in all this like blackness and we got to like break through it and and you got to open your beautiful heart and and it was like man I've heard that like at least four times in the last decade from you know different 
every time it's been a different energy worker. Um, and, uh, like, I remember, like, trying to go into my heart a little bit. And, and then I remember, like, being, like, completely, like, where Elvis had left the building. And, like, I just remember just, like, being so out of it. But, like, remembering that it was, like, my journey to, uh, to protect the village, to protect the earth, to protect the women and the children. And that that is my number one goal on this planet, to, uh, to continue with gardening and agriculture whenever I can, work with the earth. Um, and then I uh, turned into a wolf and ran with a pack of wolves. Um, and, uh, and, the, and it was crazy because each song was like a different phase too. It, like it brought different emotions out. It was really incredible, which is very similar to ayahuasca, which ayahuasca is done in the dark with music. This was very, very similar to ayahuasca, and and um, it was fucking incredible. And I remember I started feeling like, oh, is it, it? It felt like I was kind of like coming out of it a little bit, and then like the song changed, and then I like realized like after a minute I was like, oh my god, this is the song from the Never Ending Story, and then for a second I thought. Because I was so like trip, like I was tripping. I was like, wow, is my mind creating this song? Cause I don't know, dude, it was crazy. But, and then the, then the lyrics came on and, uh, and then I was listening to like the lyrics for the first time. And while I was on this journey to hear those lyrics was fucking incredible. And then I remember like I smiled when I realized that that was a song. And then like 30 seconds later, I burst out into joyous laughter and I just like laughed for like a minute straight. I was just so fucking happy. And then I came out of it and, uh, I spoke with, uh, my friend and and counselor and he looked like the, the guy that rode the bat. It was so crazy. He looked like the guy that rode the bat in the never ending story and we talked and we were talking about all this crazy stuff and he said how was that for you and i said it was incredible it was life changing it was just it was scary and beautiful at the same time and and um it was like oh it was incredible i said uh well how was it for you he's like it was intense i was like oh okay well it was really intense for me too but i I felt like it was incredible intense. And he's like, he's like, yeah, me too. He's like, uh, he's like, you know, he's like, he said, you're really in your breath, which I'm not surprised because I go into my breath in, in a lot of, you know, situations where I feel overwhelmed or whatever, um, which isn't very often, but every once in a while I'll go into my breath. Um, that time I, I knew, I knew I was in my breath because a lot of the journey I focused on my breath and I could feel myself breathing and I could hear myself and, and um, I remember my ancestors visiting me during that. I forgot to say, like, I saw, like, these these shadowy figures, and it was my ancestors, and they were surrounding me, my dead relatives and ancestors. And, um, and the dog and the cat was there. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, I just... Man, it's 
it was so incredible. There's there's really no way to describe it than other to say if if you're anxiety or depressed or um, even if none of that, if you're trying to unlock potential past traumas or things or you know addictions or whatever, I would highly re- even if none of that shit, just for the sheer fact of losing your ego and your your, your sense of self to just be, become the higher self and embodiment of what you eternally are, I would suggest that. You know what I mean? Because it literally, I lost my identity and I was okay with that. A lot of people aren't. I was okay. And uh, yeah, man, it was, it was fucking incredible. Very, very similar to ayahuasca in a lot of ways. Not completely similar, but very similar in a lot of ways. Like, because when you take a high dose of ayahuasca, I feel like you go through the very similar stuff. You lose the ego and, man, oh, it's incredible and it's scary and it's fascinating and it's just like it's a fucking spiritual roller coaster is what it is. But, uh... That was my ketamine journey. Um, I I instantly felt my whole body was sore. I'd already been feeling sore before I went in. Like I slept funny on on like for a few days, and like so like my back and my legs, and I had like a headache from sleeping on this weird mattress. So I was really sore, but I was also getting like I guess like a little bit of like leg tremors and and body tremors during the journey. Um, and so I felt like I was tensing up a little bit and that probably uh, um, exacerbated my body a little bit more and, and made it more uh, sore. So when I left, I just was like, man, I, my mom's house was like 10 minutes away, 15 minutes away. So I went down there and they let me take a bath, a hot bath with Epsom salt, which I felt was exactly what I needed at that moment was to, to, to clean my body with the salt and I just laid in this hot ass bath and I stretched my, my legs out a little bit up on the wall. And um, for the rest of the day, um, I wasn't as sore. Like I was in like excruciating pain from, from, the, from the past couple of days, just sleeping funny and funky. Um, but I was able to work that out in the bath with the Epsom salt and the stretching. Um, and then uh, the rest of the day was great. And um, I woke up this morning in a great mood. I did a meditation and a visual meditation and prayer and um and I made myself a bowl of oatmeal with strawberries, berries, walnuts and uh ghee, sea salt and maple syrup. And um and now I'm doing this podcast and sharing my journey with you. And I hope that you guys enjoyed and um if anybody has any questions, you can reach out to me on Instagram at um, Jeremy Lipsy Tattoo Seven, or you can email me at Jeremy Lipsy Tattoo at Gmail. I don't te- check my email all the time, so best way to probably get a hold of me would be on Instagram. Um, right on, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Love, healing, truth, mind, body, spirit. We out.